You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Rob Rogers speaks truth about our excuses versus God's perfect plans. Day. Um, my first year in college, I joined a Bible study, not because I believed in God, but because I didn't believe in God and was curious about God. And studying the Bible, learning about the Bible was really the only way I knew how to explore who God was. And the guys in the Bible study with me, uh, they seemingly had never left the Christian bubble. Uh, and I was an ex-heroin addict slash atheist, and I'm pretty sure I scared the living daylights out of these poor kids. And they would say things like, okay, let's turn to John chapter 1, and I would say, okay, who is John, and how do I turn to his chapter? It would take me at least five minutes. I would show up to a Bible study without a Bible, and they'd you know, have to help me figure this thing out. Eventually, I met a Christian couple who invited me to come live in their home. I was on hard times, and... They mentored me, and they loved me, and showed me incredible grace and kindness. And eventually, I gave my life to Christ, surrendered my whole heart to Christ. And within the span of that next year, uh, both of my older sisters and both of my parents gave their lives to Christ as well because of the transformation he caused in my life. Uh, And, you know, now, the beautiful thing is I'm married to my wonderful wife, Missy. We have four children. We've got three daughters, two of them are almost teenagers, and we've got uh, three daughters and one little boy, his name's Jack, he's two years old, and he is a wonderful little monster. Um, so we've got a full life, and, uh, and we moved here uh, five years ago to start Christ the King downtown, and some days I wake up and I think, man, how in the world did I get here? How did this happen? And the only answer is the, the unbelievable grace and kindness of a good heavenly father shown towards an undeserving person. Through uh, this series, we are talking about the fact that from the very beginning of time, God has invited broken, jacked up, don't have it together, flawed people into his mission, his story, his life, his purposes on the earth. Uh, And this is what we've been talking about in this series. Uh, and, And God uses people just like me, people just like you, to accomplish his mission in the world. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's famously called the Hall of Faith. It outlines how the fathers and the mothers of our faith received honor, not because they were extraordinary, but because God is extraordinary. Because they exercised what little faith they had in an extraordinary God. And today we are talking about the life of Moses. In Exodus chapter 1, it says that there arose a Pharaoh in Egypt that did not know Joseph. And God did incredible things through the life of Joseph in Egypt. Did incredible things for the Hebrew people. Did did incredible things through this man. But our our story, Moses' story, picks up When the Pharaoh didn't know Joseph, didn't know what God had done through Joseph, didn't know the miracles that God had worked, didn't know God's provision for that time, those people, didn't know any of that, and Moses comes along at this time. And the Hebrew people in Egypt, they were growing in number. 
And the Pharaoh basically became scared that they would grow so large in number that eventually they would overthrow uh, his deal, overthrow their deal in Egypt. So Pharaoh decides to increase their workload. He enslaves the Hebrew people. And this goes on for 400 years. Uh, And he issues a decree out of fear that all of the midwives take newborn Hebrew baby boys and kill them. Because he didn't want the Hebrew baby boys to grow to be strong Hebrew men that would eventually overthrow Egyptian rule. The scripture tells us that some of these midwives and some of these families feared God. They cared more about what God thought and what God would do than they did about what Pharaoh thought and what Pharaoh would do. And this is where Moses comes in. Moses is born and he doesn't die. The midwives and the parents protect him. They take care of him. Here's here's what you need to know as we get into today's message. We have an enemy, right? And that enemy is after death. Scripture tells us he is there to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after any kind of death or discord he can get into you. And uh, we see from the very beginning that God protected Moses. But what's interesting is what set their trajectory for Moses' incredible life wasn't actually Moses' faith. It was the faith of his mother. Can you imagine taking a newborn baby boy, putting him in a basket, and just pushing him out into the Nile River and letting go? And the Nile River is not a small river. It's pretty big, right? And you, you have no idea, no idea if, you, if he will survive more than 10 minutes. But you're saying, this is the only way to protect my son. This is the only chance he's got. I'm going to push him out in the river and let go and trust God with my son. I'm going to let him go. What an incredible act of faith. She had no guarantee, no promise that she would ever see him again. No guarantee, no promise that he would survive. And as we get into this, here's a question for you to consider. We are all at different points in life and regarding different things in life. We're all tempted to try to manipulate and control certain things aspects of life, whether that's a relationship, whether that's our children, whether that's a career, whether that's whatever it is. And God is constantly inviting us to trust him. He's constantly inviting us back to let go of what we're tempted to hold on to and to trust him with it. With absolutely no guarantee that we'll ever see again what we're letting go of. But the guarantee, the promise is this. When we let go, we get more of God. When we let go of whatever that thing is that we're trying to control and hold on to, whatever that may be, when we let that go, we get more of Him. What's interesting is in this story, God gave her little boy back to her. See, uh, to raise in Pharaoh's house. Right In the palace, God in his providence stirs up compassion in one of the women in Pharaoh's household. She sees this little baby boy coming down the river. She has compassion on him, brings him in and says, hey, we need somebody to take care of this little boy. Hey, how about you? Can you take care of him? Guess who she points to? The mother of Moses. So she lets go. She gets her little boy back. The name Moses means to draw out. 
And what we see in Moses' story is he's drawn out of the Nile River. Eventually, God draws him out of Egypt for a purpose and a plan that is bigger than anything he would ever have dreamed or imagined. God calls to him. God had a call on his life. And you may have heard this before, but we all need to be reminded of this from time to time. God has a call on your life. You're not here by accident. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you to participate with him in his mission. He's got a calling on your life just like he had a calling on the life of Moses. And for us, we hear that and we think, okay, God has something big for me to do. He is something enormous, world-changing for me to do. And I don't know what that is, but that's kind of terrifying and daunting. But what's interesting is when we read Scripture, we see that God's call on our life is simply to first know Him. It's an invitation to know Him, to be friends with Him, to, to have an intimate relationship with Him. And the second is to live out our faith in the world. To be faithful in the little things that God has given us to do so that we might be entrusted with more. Almost five years ago now, my wife Misty and I felt like God might be calling us to plant a church. And we were living in Pittsburgh at the time. That's where I grew up. And we, we were considering several different cities where we had connections and relationships. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know what we were going to be a part of. I didn't have a resume out there. I mean, we, we were just, we just had the thought and we began praying about it. And if you're unsure of what God has called you to do, or even if you are and you don't know how to get there, I invite you to pray this very simple and honest prayer. This is our prayer, okay? God, we're kind of slow. So if you could make whatever it is you want us to do, whatever it is you want us to be a part of, if you could make it really, 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 really obvious, that would be super helpful. Thanks. Like, that was it. That was our bold, faith-filled prayer, right? That's what we were going after. And God confirmed this call, not through some, you know, burning bush. He didn't speak to us in an audible voice through a set of conversations and circumstances that God was orchestrating behind the scenes. The doors flung wide open for us to come join the CTK network. And it's been an incredible, beautiful difficult, wonderful journey. But here's what's fascinating. If we weren't praying, even with what little faith we had, if we weren't praying, if we weren't paying attention, if we weren't looking for what that call might be, we could have totally missed what God was inviting us to be a part of. God's call is that you would know him, and God has something for you to do. God has something for you to do. See, this is faith, and Dan has mentioned this when he kicked off this series out here. Uh, faith isn't just something you profess or some set of beliefs that you believe. Faith isn't something you profess through words. It's something you express through your life. Faith results in doing. It results in action. Right? James writes about this. Faith without works is what? Is dead. Right? Faith results in action. God has something for you to do. And God shows up to our friend Moses in the burning bush. And in doing this, God is saying, Moses, 
I want you to know something about me, about my character. I want you to know something about yourself. And I've got something for us to do together. All right, our story picks up in Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 5. God said to Moses, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, if God shows up to you in a burning bush, the bush is on fire, and someone starts speaking to you, you're going to be slightly terrified, right? Moses hides his face. Now, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah encounters God, Isaiah says, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy to be in the presence of someone so holy. When Jesus tells Peter to pull up the fish on the boat, and there's so many fish that the boat starts sinking, right? Peter falls on his knees and says, depart from me, I am a sinful man, right? When Moses encounters God in the burning bush, Moses is terrified. He hides his face in the presence of someone so pure, someone so holy, right? someone so powerful. Right? He's terrified because when you are in the presence of someone so majestic, so beautiful, as we've been praying and singing about this morning, so great, our right response is to see, in light of someone so pure, to see our flaws, our brokenness, our humanness, our sinfulness, right? But the beautiful nature of God is that he isn't just holy. He isn't just mighty and powerful. He's gentle. He's loving. He's incredibly compassionate. Verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. In other words, I am not indifferent to the suffering of people. That's God's declaration in this passage. Verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a metaphor for abundance, not just what you need, what you want, right? Now, you may have noticed this pattern in the Bible before, but God shows up all throughout Scripture and he says, this is true of me, this is who I am. In light of who I am, this is who I say you are. This is true of you according to me, the creator of the universe. This is true of you. Now go and do this. This is what God has done all throughout scripture. This is what God has done in my own life. This is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God does with Moses. But what you need to know is anytime God makes clear the calling on your life, what he's invited you to do, you are going to have doubts. You're going to have questions. You're going to have objections. And you might, just like Moses, come up with some excuses why God's got the wrong person for the job. Right? Look at what Moses says. He is totally freaked out. Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I, God? I'm just a shepherd. That's all I've been doing for years. And you want me to go talk to the known ruler of the known world. Right? You, you want me to stand in front of this guy and, and, and talk to him. Who am I, God? I murdered an Egyptian man and I fled like a coward. I've been hiding out in the wilderness for the last 40 years. 
and you want me to go back and talk to the guy who's probably just going to kill me? That's what you want me to do? This is insanity, God. I'm a nobody. I've got no special gifts. I've got no special talents. I've, I've got nothing special to give. I'm not rich. I'm not special. And if you really knew my issues, if you really knew my thoughts, if you really knew my dysfunction and my sin, you would not be asking me to do this crazy thing. Right? That's Moses. That's what he's saying. Who, you've, got, you've got the wrong guy for the job. Do you realize one of our, one of yours, one of my biggest temptations in life is to dismiss what God could use you to accomplish in the world. And let's make that a little bit smaller. What God could use you to accomplish in this church. What God you, could use you to accomplish in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Right, we think about the world and it's just, that's too big. Let's narrow that down. What might God want to do through your life? Now Moses is freaked out at this question and this command to go and speak to Pharaoh. And God in his gentleness and compassion responds in verse 12. He said, but I will be with you. But God, I'm a nobody, but I'll be with you. But God, I, 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 this, this is too crazy. I'm with you. I can't do this. It's too big. I'm with you. See, God knows that we will come up with all kinds of excuses not to do the things that he's called us to do. He knows that about us, right? And he addresses them preemptively. He's, he's saying, listen, I'm with you. And he makes that promise over and over and over again throughout Scripture. Right? And God even gives Moses several different miracles right in front of his eyes to display his care, his power, his goodness. Right? The, 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 the burning bush, the bush isn't consumed, the staff turning into a snake and back into a staff. Right? And after the burning bush and after the staff, after all that God did to reveal himself to Moses, Moses, even a chapter later in Exodus chapter 4, he's still coming up with excuses. Look at this. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. Nothing's changed, God, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. It's another way of saying I stutter. Now think about this. God, that's great that you're with me. That's great in all that you're with me, and, and here's all the reasons why you've got the wrong guy, and you want me, a guy who can't even speak right, the primary thing you want me to do is go and speak. This is a bad plan. Like, this is a bad idea, right? Now, many of us would say, okay, you know what? If God would just show up to me and give me a miracle, right? If he would just show up and display a miracle for me, and then he told me to do something, then I would do it. No, you wouldn't. Are you better than Moses? Moses didn't. He saw incredible things for He's arguing with a bush that is on fire, for goodness sake. Right? And he's still not willing to go. He's still coming up with excuses. And listen, I love God's response here. Exodus chapter 4, 11, he just removes all the excuses. Then the Lord said to him, okay, Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and not only will I be with you, I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. Like, okay, Moses, come on, bro. Like, you, you got this. Like, God is with you. He's removed all your excuses. God says, 
there's some like puppet stuff going on here. Like God's, you know, moving Moses' mouth. Like I will take care of everything. All I need you to do is take the next step of faith. Just take one step of faith and I'll meet you there. And take another step and I'll meet you there. Take another step and I'll meet you there. I'm there waiting for you. Come on. Come on. And in the person of Moses, we see a pretty clear reflection of ourselves. And you'd think after all this, Moses would eventually say, even if it was reluctantly, like, oh, okay. Fine, God, have it your way. I'm going, you know, let's do this. Look, Exodus 4.13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) Yeah, God, there are a billion other more qualified people in the world that can do this way better than me. Like, please just pick someone else. You've, you've got the wrong guy. Pick one of them. There's, you can pick anybody. Why me? Pick any of these other people. But listen, doesn't it just make sense that God would choose you to do something with him that you could never do on your own? Doesn't it make sense that God would invite you to step out of your comfort zone, out of what is status quo for you, step out in faith and trust him with something that would be utterly insane for you to try to do on your own? Isn't that just like God? Isn't that the God that we read about in scripture? This is his invitation to you, right? God calls you to do what would be impossible to do without him. And God says, listen, he says this to Moses and he says this to us. This isn't about you. Stop making it about you, your abilities or lack of abilities, your talent or lack of talent. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I'm with you. I am the God that gives you strength, power, might, faith, courage. Now go and do the things that I've called you to do. See, some Christian circles, they set up the the mothers and the fathers of our faith as these incredible superheroes that were amazing leaders and exercised incredible leadership capacity and incredible faith and all this stuff. And just to be blunt, they're wrong. These were ordinary people just like you, just like me, who had to be convinced in many cases to trust God with what little faith they had. And yet God took that little faith and multiplied it and did world-changing things through these simple, ordinary, broken, flawed people just like us. See, that begs the question, what might God do in you, through you, in the world, if you trusted him with what little faith you have? What if you allowed God to address your excuses, your doubts, your objections, and you simply exercise what little faith you had? This is what God calls us into. He calls us out of the ordinary, mundane, boring, status quo, comfortable Christian bubble. See, can, can you imagine if Moses had refused? What if he continued to say no? What if he continued to argue? I mean, he had to be convinced, obviously. But what if he continued to say no? 
What if he refused to go? What if he disobeyed? What if he continued making excuses for himself? Can you imagine? He never would have seen the parting of the sea. He never would have seen his people delivered from 400 years of slavery. He never would have seen God's gentle and faithful provision for his people, millions of people in the wilderness. He never would have seen his people, even though it was from afar, enter into the promised land that God was giving them. And he would have missed out on every moment of friendship and intimacy with God. On the mountaintop, the fire, the thunder, the smoke, conversations with the God of the universe, Moses would have missed out on all of it had he said no. And get this, he was a murderer. Moses was a murderer, a broken man with a reluctant faith who came up with every excuse not to do the thing that God was inviting him to do. And God used him to do something historical, biblical, world-changing. God wants to do something big in and through your life. Listen, what if you stop making excuses? What if you began to ask God, what is the thing that you've put me here to do? God, I'm kind of slow. Make it obvious, right? What if you prayed just an honest prayer for God to reveal that to you? What if you began to trust God to work in and through your life in powerful ways? How might you know him more intimately? How might your world change? How might you be transformed through that journey? Listen, when we moved to Bellingham to start the church, this, this was Rob's thoughts, okay? Here were Rob's excuses. God, I'm 28. I haven't gone to seminary. I'm still going through college. I dropped out of my last pastoral position because of burnout, and much of that was because of unhealthy boundaries for myself. And I'm going to move across the country with my little family to a place where I've never lived. Like, how is this going to work? I, I barely know anybody out there. Who's going, to, who's going to listen? Who's going to care what I have to say? Like, why, why would I even do something like this? And these were my thoughts. But Misty... Uh, and I, if we could remind ourselves of this, and if you can remind yourself of this, it will give you enormous courage in the middle of daunting circumstances or a daunting calling. See, the truth is, it's not about you and what you can't do, but about God and what God can do. It's not about you and what your abilities can contribute to what God's invited. It's about God. It's about what he can do. And this is so beautiful. Listen to the, burn, the, the imagery of the burning bush. Do you realize the beauty of this picture? I love that it's not, God doesn't show up to Moses, the calling of Moses. He doesn't show up to him in a beautiful tree or a budding flower, right? He shows up in a bush, a simple, plain, ordinary shrubbery, right? That's how God shows up to Moses, and what's amazing about this is this is actually a picture of the new covenant in Exodus chapter 3. That God makes his home in ordinary people, in ordinary things. Right? God makes the plain things beautiful. That's why the bush got Moses' attention. Right? It was a plain thing. It was an ordinary thing that was filled with the glory of God. It was filled with the spirit of God. 
right? It wasn't consumed. And that's a picture of what God does with us. He sends his life, his spirit, his faith, his courage. Everything about him fills us and is the strength that we need, is the courage that we need to take that next step of faith. That simple act of loving our neighbor or making a disciple or mentoring somebody or, living, or loving somebody or giving somebody a glass of water, like whatever that is. God is in us, moving us forward in faith. And if you have Jesus Christ, the beautiful thing of this is you have an absolutely holy God and an absolutely loving God living inside of you. He is so holy that he had to die for you, which humbles you. But he's so loving that he was glad to die for you, which empowers you. Right? You've got that God living inside of you. And when you recognize that, when you recognize who he is and that he has made his home in you, it fills you with courage to go and do whatever it is that God has called you to do. It transforms you. It transforms your life. Listen, if you are here and you you don't have God, maybe you're exploring a relationship with Christ. My prayer for you is that you would begin to see the beauty, the glory of God in ordinary things. That you would see the beauty of God in ordinary people loving one another, filled with the beauty, the spirit, the glory of God. And if you have Jesus Christ, here are some questions for you to reflect on uh, as we uh, wrap up this message and uh, are talking about our guy Moses. Here's a question for you to consider and wrestle with. Not just today, not just this week, but honestly, this is a question we should always be wrestling with. What is one thing you sense or have sensed God calling you to do? And even as I've been talking about this, there are things that are popping up in your mind like, oh, I ought to do that, or oh yeah, that's still there. Like, what is that thing? And it might mean something big, it might mean something small. It doesn't matter, they're both significant. Right? It might mean vocational. It might not mean vocational. What is God inviting you to do with him? And here's our next question in light of the life of Moses. What excuses are you using to dismiss this calling? God, I don't have any special talents. God, you've got the wrong person. God, I can't do this. My life is too comfortable. Don't mess with what I've got going on. What excuses are you coming up with? The third question is, right now, how is God responding to you about your excuses? What is God saying to you? How is he responding to your objections? And be honest about your objections because they're there. God knows they're there. Talk to him about it, just like Moses did. And the next question is, what now? What's next for you? What's the next step of faith? What now? What now? What is God inviting you? What's that next step of faith where God is saying, hey, come meet me. I'm here. I'm waiting. What is he inviting you to do? What is that next step of faith? Listen, in Hebrews 11, it talks about the legacy of Moses and his faith. Right? But it was a little faith. It was a reluctant faith. And it gives him honor for him exercising what faith he had. Here's a question to close. When, when you're 
family, friends, neighbors, kids, grandkids, when your relatives and friends look back on your life, what will they say? Will they say, by faith, look at all that God did. By faith, look at what God accomplished. Against all odds, look at what God did through their life. What will they say? Because the truth is they're going to say something. And God, by calling you, is inviting you with him to choose what that is. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful reality that you do call and invite people. Ordinary, plain, even broken, flawed people to join you in your story, in your mission, in your purpose in the world. And God, I thank you that you, um, you extend this invitation to everybody. Your desire is that all would come to know you. And God, as, as people that belong to you, you've invited us to extend your grace, your love to the world around us, to exercise what little faith we have. And so God, would you help us? In your gentleness and patience, would you help us work through our excuses and our objections? And would you help us to follow you? Even if it's with a reluctant faith, just like Moses did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.